Hello and welcome to The Thing About Golf, the podcast series from Golf Australia magazine that explores just what it is that draws people to this crazy and infuriating game. My name's Rod Murray and I'll be your host on this monthly journey where we'll meet golfers, both famous and not, to find out just what, for them, is The Thing About Golf. If you're new to the podcast, make sure to check out the archives. We're only up to episode two but our first interview with super senior Sue Worcester is highly recommended listening as well. On this episode, however, we change gears completely. Not only do we go from the amateur to the professional game, but we also double the guest count when we meet Australian golf royalty, Bob and Kathy Shearer. Bob is best known as one of Australia's premier international players of the 1970s and 80s, and in particular for holding off the great Jack Nicklaus in a thrilling Australian Open at the Australian Golf Club in 1982. Bob's wife, Kathy is probably less well-known by the golf public, but within the game, she is at least his equal in celebrity, as well as being widely respected and highly regarded for her work in media centres right across the globe. I caught up with Bob and Kathy at the Metropolitan Golf Club earlier this year in Melbourne, and I must say a very big thank you to the team at Metro, who always go above and beyond in these circumstances, and frankly are more than generous with their time and facility. So sit back, and I hope you enjoy a wide-ranging chat with two of Australian golf's finest, Bob and Kathy Shearer. Can I start by saying uh, thank you, Bob Shearer. And thank you, Cathy Shearer, for agreeing to speak not only to me, but together. This is fantastic. Have you ever been interviewed together, the two of you? Kath? I don't mm. think we have, although last night we were out, with, um, out for dinner with some friends and Doc David Lucas that catted for Bob for a long time when we told him we were coming here, he said, oh, of course you have. <laughs> I said, I don't think we have, you know. I, I really don't think we have, Rod. Which is... When you think about it, We've Bob... We've done a couple of stand-up jobs. Right, but just quick, club, quick well, things. Well, oh, I see, so uh, presentations like yeah, luncheons and things. The first time you did one at Royal Melbourne, remember you asked me to come? And all of a sudden it was a double act. <laughs> uh, so it was pretty good. Remember that? In Royal I don't... Well, I mean, it's a long <laughs> I do remember. 15 I, years ago, probably. <laughs> I do remember just as you were coming to the end of your career and I was a press officer there and you had to, I had to interview you. I think that was at Royal Melbourne. That was oh, a number yeah. of years yeah, ago. No, the first time you had to interview me was at the Masters <laughs> at Huntingdale. Oh, my Because I was leading or something, and I said, piss off. <laughs> I'm going. I think, I think you did. You probably and I said, I said, oh, no, that doesn't work at all. We'll, we'll come to what happens when players try that on with you, Kat. Um, I'm a bit surprised. Yeah, well, I know that. That's right. I'm a bit surprised, to be honest, Bob, because in truth, and I don't want you to be too humble about this, you're kind of golfing royalty. I'm trying to think of another couple that has the sort of stamp. We know that Jack's always been a – Jack Nicholas always been a superstar golfer, and Barbara's always been a big part of golf, but – you played and you work in the industry, Kath. So it's an interesting one, isn't it, Bob? It is interesting, yeah. Well, as uh, a few of my mates say, that uh, used, Kathy used to be my wife, <laughs> now I'm her husband. When did that happen, Bob? Can you remember the date? About 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go um, back. But it's, it, no, I wouldn't, I've never thought of it either, but it's. It is interesting. It's a, it's, it's a different one, particularly with the role that Kathy fills, and we'll come to that shortly. Mm. How did you meet Bob? You tell me how you met first, and then I'll get the proper story from Kath about what really happened. <laughs> well, we met, I think it was Bournemouth, Bournemouth in England. Mm-hmm. We were, I was playing in, with Ian Stanley, and the, 
a summary four ball it was on the European, well, it was the British tour then, mm-hmm. and um, there was a, a British hardcore tennis championship in Bournemouth. So we, all the Aussies, golfers, mm-hmm. went to the tennis. I was to on at the, the same time. Yeah. Ah, okay. the, after you played, we went to the tennis to see the Aussie tennis players mm-hmm. and vice versa. They came and followed us around. And, well, Jackie Newton wasn't Jackie Newton then. She was Jackie Butterworth. And she was Cathy's boss. They were Piccadilly, was it? Piccadilly there? We were Piccadilly girls, the naughty yeah. cigarette girls, but Jackie was yeah. going out with Jack. Jack, yeah. Jack, Jack Newton. Newton. Yeah, mm. so we had a dinners and went out and so forth, so and that's where we met, basically. Are, are, are you saying, Kath, that it's Jack Newton's fault? No, well, actually, what I'm saying, Bob has, has left out, as you said, just the finer detail there. Indeed, you tell us what really happened, Kath. <laughs> we, it's just as he said that there were tennis players, Aussie tennis players, actually Ray Ruffles and Bob Carmichael, and they were all around. Jackie had just started dating Jack, mm-hmm. and it was her birthday, and she had a birthday party. So Jack oh, invited okay. some of his mates, and Jackie <laughs> invited some of the girls, the cigarette girls, and uh, the Jackie and the few close friends had had a dinner, and afterwards there was a bit of a party, bit of a dance, and a bit of a uh-huh. you know get together. And they asked me if I would dance with Bob. Jack said, "I'm going to dance with my mate," and I said, "No, thank you, Jack. I enjoy the man I'm dancing with. Thank you." There's a <laughs> a guy called Harry Bannerman. Oh, a Scottish player, always great. Harry could dance. Right. Yes, I said no. I quite like dancing with Harry Bannerman. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I said Bob would feel like a dance. Well. Here we it are. wasn't that, that. It wasn't exactly all she wrote. But, uh, <laughs> it was a good opening line. Yeah, a good opening line, and, <laughs> and he was wobbly. That I didn't realise. I just thought he had good rhythm, but it was helped along by about two hundred beers. Well lubricated. What year was this, Kath? Nineteen seventy. Was it seventy two? Yes. Seventy. Nineteen seventy two. Yes. We married in seventy five. Two, three, four. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. And what were cigarette girls? Of course, mm. what was that? What was a thing, wasn't it, at the time? But many people won't be familiar with what that means. Uh, well, uh, many years ago, back in the 70s, cigarette companies sponsored a lot of sports. Mm. You had the Benson Hedges girls. Mm-hmm. They all had to be blonde. Mm-hmm. And then you had the Piccadilly girls. And we were the Piccadilly girls. Well, I, was, I wasn't really a Piccadilly girl, but each... Cigarette, each one sponsored different sports. So Dunhill was show jumping and sailing. Piccadilly was golf and tennis. And they put a lot of money, these cigarette companies, into sponsoring sporting events. And they would have girls that went along. We never actually sold cigarettes and we weren't quite hostesses, but it was a, it was a promotional. Promotional sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, all, all very above board. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> Back then it was, you know, and you were promoting the cigarettes. There would be exhibitions that you would go okay. to and you would offer cigarettes to people. You would walk around uh-huh. and, would you like a cigarette, sir? Would, like, would you like a drink? So promotional girls, as we might be familiar with in other ways, I think we used to have the F1 girls would exactly. be on the grid. Exactly, you so, know, not quite grid girls. We would go along for the whole event yep. with the sailing and, and they may put you in a booth and it mm. was just to promote okay. 
cigarette smoking. How did, <laughs> how did you come to be doing that, Kath? Well, I worked with Jackie Newton mm. and we were doing these... <laughs> I mean, it makes me laugh to think of it now. Um, modelling seasons. Mm. Um, and I was working... She, she was a permanent there. And then they'd bring in three or four other girls. And we got talking and she said, what do you do in between the seasons? You do mid-season, winter, summer, spring. And there were weeks in between. And I said, well, I've got a job in in Sloan Street and I worked in a um, sort of a boutique there, I suppose you'd call it. And I, I've always had lots of other jobs. I've always had different things that I've dipped and dabbed into. I had f- family that they were in flower shops and then there was some down the market, you know, in the East End where my auntie was. So we always believed in work, working class. Anyway, she said, would you like to do some promotional work? My great friend, Marilyn Worries, owns this company called Sales Charm. And you do promotional work there. I said, oh, okay then. So I went along and that was the start of it. And then I became sort of permanent casual. So when jobs came up, they'd offer you, do you feel like doing, do you feel like doing okay. show jumping? And actually, never, ever did the golf. Oh. Oh. So you, you were never at the golf where Bob was playing? I was never at Always the at golf. different events, other always sports. Always at different wow. events, always at... The highlight for most of the girls wanted tennis uh-huh. and the tennis players. Uh-huh. Never appealed to me at all. Right. So I'd get the, um, I'd get the uh, sailing, the show jumping, the um, all, all sorts of the peripheral sports. Right. I could do them if I wanted to, but there was always a stampede uh-huh. to get near the tennis players. That that was the number one job. Right. And okay. Not you, for me. You know <laughs> Bob Cathy's, she won't admit it. A strikingly attractive woman with an extraordinary down-to-earth attitude. For an Australian kid playing golf in London, you must have thought you were in heaven when you met Kath. Yes. <laughs> I can right only give you a one-word answer to that one. Yeah. But yeah, no, no. It was, uh, it was, I mean, I went to play golf over there. I wasn't going to get married. No. Well, fine, but that, it happened that way. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad it did, but it's... Uh, you know, it's 44 years, no, nearly 46 years later, seven years later, we're still there. Yeah. I've always felt you were the perfect couple. I know Kathy better than I know you, Bob, because I started covering golf and you weren't playing uh, yeah. competitively at the time. So I got to know Kathy. For those who don't know, Kathy runs the media centre in a lot of tournaments and she really does run the media centre, <laughs> Kath's media centre. And she looks after all of us golf riders and other types and puts us in our place when we need it and helps us when we need it. Um, but Kathy's kind of golf become golf royalty, hasn't she? Have you ever played golf, Kath? I'm just asking. Do you play at all? Or you never, no, never, never touched a club. I'm a complete fraud. Although my last <laughs> nine holes was with Peter Thompson. Right. Yes, and that was. Kath's got all the stories, Bob. <laughs> well, I'm going to come to you, but Kath's yeah. got all the stories at the well, moment. I can say something about that one first. All right, you you tell me what happened, and then you tell me what really happened. Kath. I tried to get her to play, but she's left-handed. Oh, but she wouldn't have a left-handed golf club. She had to have. Right hand. Why? Well, they had flowers on them, the club she saw. <laughs> they had nice, pretty flowers, and they were mauve or purple, so she said, they're the clubs I want. <laughs> Couldn't hit it the length of this room. <laughs> and I used to play 
nine holes with Kathy and and the pro at the club mm. that I was playing out of. His wife and uh, and I used to forget that I'd hit a ball <laughs> by the time we'd, we'd chopped around. But <laughs> took that long. She to would get. never. She's never never tried. I don't think you've ever tried to hit a golf ball left-handed, have you? No, never. <laughs> so, <laughs> wonder whether you'd be any good at it. That's a mystery that might be solved. It's too late now. Too late. Oh, <laughs> is it? Is oh, it just? well, hang on a minute. Is it just? <laughs> now we might be a chance to see it, Bob. You've thrown the gauntlet down. Let's come back to you, Bob. Tell me about your sort of starting golf, because of course, by the time you met Kathy, you're playing on the European tour. There's a lot of golf goes under the bridge before you get to that point in a golf career, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've. I was playing football here in Melbourne as a junior and got reasonably good at that and then the higher I got up there they were they started throwing punches <laughs> by that stage and they get I thought bigger this, and stronger this is no good but uh, at the same time when I was young mum and dad played golf and sort of it was what do we do with the kid you know so my dad made made a little cut down club for me and unfortunately, he was a left-hander, and he made a left-handed club. <laughs> but um, so I was wandering along down the fairways with them banging a ball. Where was that at, Bob? What club? Where, where where was that? Brighton Golf Club. Brighton Golf Club. Yeah, okay, so yeah. good old-fashioned public golf course. Yeah, but they had members. They yes, were well, members, yeah. you know, a few members, and they they were members. Um, and that's that's where I started playing and um, playing with a school friend. And his parents were a member, member at uh, at uh, Brighton as well. And then they moved out when Southern was formed. They were um, well, original well, like, like founding members. Founding members. Yep. There was a the came the the people came from Brighton Golf Club that formed Southern. Right. And um, I remember their name, Laurie and Nance Anderson. They they joined. And in those days, you had to be 14 to be a member of a golf club, but Gordon was 14, I was 13, and the old man, his old man said, that's not going to happen. My These two boys have played for two or three mm-hmm. years. He's got to be a member. So they, they let me join at Southern oh. when I was 13. A rule breaker even back then, Bob, yes. a renegade, yeah. all yes. the way back yeah. to uh, to there. Yeah. Were you one who was – Did you was it obvious early that – you were good enough to think about a professional career? Because there's levels oh, in golf and not, not everybody's... Not at, not at that stage, but once I got into golf at Southern, mm-hmm. you know, the pennant teams and everything, and, and I think the one that fixed it was when I went won the Australian Amateur. Uh-huh. And that was the year I... No, apparently I wasn't good enough to get in the Victorian State team. And they went to Adelaide and I, I was working at Slesinger's. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I asked the boss for a week's holiday. He said, why do you need a week now? I said, I'm going to go to Adelaide and play in the Australian Amateur, and he laughed. Really? <laughs> he said, I'll certainly give you a week off. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do with you. He said, when you go over there, he said, if you win it, bring back all the money and I'll pay for everything. <laughs> and he still laughed. <laughs> well, sort of a... Week and a half after that, I walked in on the Monday morning. I walked in with the Australian Amateur Cup with all the bills, all the receipts, bus tickets, taxi tickets, air tickets, um, accommodation thing, everything I'd spent in the in, in, in the, the cup in the cup. Fantastic. So uh, that that sort of told me that well, that, that was an experience playing with 
Well, top amateurs in Australia and, and a lot of international mm-hmm. amateurs because I beat a guy called Ross Murray in the final from New Zealand who won the New Zealand amateur four or five times. He won the Canadian amateur and he's, you know, he was an international player. And I learned that, you know, I was beating him. Yeah. I was beating them. And that made me decide that somewhere down the track... Yeah. It, it wasn't as simple a decision in that time, was it? No, a professional to, career wasn't no, necessarily to, the riches a, that we see now. No, and I had to do apprenticeship as too. well. That's right, yeah, Three of course. Years. You couldn't just turn pro yeah. and go play golf for money. It wasn't, Actually, wasn't when, the year, when I met Cathy, it was Stewie Guinea and Stanley and myself, we took off. We were all in the same boat, all in just into our second year as apprentices, and, oh. and we took off to England. You were wagging. Yeah, well, yeah, yes. <laughs> But we could go over there and, and join the British PGA because we were right. like A-grade a trainees or some uh-huh. thing here. And once you joined the British PGA, the Australian PGA recognised them. So three months later when we came home, we could all of a sudden play, play in all the tournaments. It was a shortcut. It was a very strange political time, wasn't it? Yeah, With but I still had to do the three years in yeah. the shop. Wow. Let's just go back a bit, Bob. We'll come back to the three years in the shop in a moment. You said that your boss laughed and said, hey, if you win it, you'll come back. Was that, A, was that a motivator for you? Is that the sort of thing that motivates you? And B, is that how people saw you as a golfer at the time? There would have been a lot of golfers around, as there always are. Nobody knew who I was. Right. No, no. What did you think yourself? Did you genuinely think you could win it? Yeah, I I didn't go. I mean, I I, I always remember I I got a brand new set of golf clubs, Gary Player, Black Knights, they were called. Mm Mm-hmm. And I took the paper off them over there when I, after I got there, you know, the right. plastic off the, these the clubs. first time they were hit was in the tournament uh, sort of thing. Yeah, basically. Wow. And, uh, you know, they, they were the hitting a bit, I thought, and these new steel shafts they had and all these... No track man, no fitting, none of, the, no, <laughs> none no, of that stuff, none of that just stuff. set no, of golf clubs no. with a name on them and no, no, away but, you go. But that's... Oh, look, I got I, I got this, that that week there, which is quite a big week. I mean, you play thirty six holes, then you if you get to the final, you've played seven games, yep. seven match play yeah. games. And uh, well, Peter Croker nearly beat me on the first game, right? First round, and one up, I beat him. Royal Adelaide and played Jack Newton in the semi final, which um, was quite a bit of fun. Oh, but but once I'd won that, things changed. Uh-huh. It, within well, yourself people, yeah, and from outside? Amateur golf was bigger in Australia yeah. then. Yes. You know, I got back page of papers right. and all that uh-huh. in Melbourne, you know, that, which you wouldn't even get no. six pages back. Of no, that's right. Little it's, paragraphs now, probably. It's changed a lot, hasn't it? But, uh, you know, then you... It, it's still a long way to go after that. Of but, course. But it's just it the entry fee, isn't it? That's it all it is. It wasn't it's not too a... much longer, though. No. That was 1969. Uh-huh. That was, I think, August or September in 1969, and I turned pro in 70, and, January. And met Kath in 72. But at that point, so you, you couldn't tell anybody. No, that's right. That was the only thing. We forget if that if these days, don't we? you made the statement, you were neither one yeah. nor other. So I, I had to keep it quiet. Yeah. But the captain at the golf club kept it quiet because he wanted me to practice in the pennant. Times have changed so much, haven't they? Well, that's so unthinkable these days, isn't it? He could put me with anybody that he thought 
was I'd play them in a practice game, uh, seeing he thinks, I hope this bloke can play, but he knew I wasn't going to be playing, and he announced it on the day they picked the team. That you'd... That I'd turned turn professional. the papers to and be turned professional. And, what were the papers? What papers did you sign? You had to sign oh, PGA, PGA membership. Yeah, right, a traineeship. For, for a traineeship. Three-year traineeship. And then they immediately, he immediately got it done that I made me uh, the, an honorary member or the touring pro or some something like that so I could stay at the club. Yeah. And then I got the job, I got the traineeship was with Harold Knights at Southern anyway. Right, because your connections with Southern to this day are still strong, aren't yeah. they? You're still a member there and you've done some design work 50, there. and Yeah, you've been a part of the club yeah. for uh, for a very long time. You went on to have a very successful career, Bob. I'll ask you this, Kath, before I... Is Bob underrated by Australian golf fans, do you think? Uh, I think Bob was underrated by himself. Okay. Not by his fans. Absolutely not. And I think Bob is the quintessential Australian above everything else. And I think he loved home, he loved his mates, he loved to play with his mates. And I believe that is something that probably went against his professional career. He he just loves home. He loves the blokes at Southern. He failed to tell you, he plays four times a week with them still <laughs> there. And I think Bob chose a lifestyle over perhaps more success. Because you've seen the most successful golfers on the world. What does it take? What is it that golf, that Bob perhaps wasn't prepared to give up in return for being Tiger or Greg Norman or what, what are you sort of alluding to there? Because there's, a, there's, a, there's an all-consuming part of golf if you want to get to that level, isn't it? Mm. You can be good without mm. giving everything up. But if you want to mm. be Tiger, you give everything up, don't mm. you? Mm. I think I think it's absolutely true. Of course, times are, are very different now. Mm. Um, but I can still remember years ago the, the, the great players then. You know, it was in the Tom Watson era. Of course, Jack Nicklaus, it goes without saying, and mm. Barbara, that was a whole different ball game. But those with the A game, um, their wives, their... They even back then they sort of surrounded themselves with the team. We never heard that years ago. The first person that I ever heard say my team was actually Paul Casey. Oh, but even back then, you know, um, Tom Watson would travel with Bob Murphy, and Bob Murphy wouldn't let anybody get near Tom Watson. You know, I've always been an observer mm. of it because not being a player, not really knowing. I mean, I thought Arnold Palmer sold umbrellas and Jack <laughs> Nicholas was the name in the, in the shoes that you bought, like hush puppies. Both of which are true, Kath. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just happened to be sideline businesses. I remember Barbara <laughs> Nicholas told me once that in Japan they had mattresses with Jack Nicholas's name all over them. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the ticket, it was Jack. And she said, I did think it was rather strange. It's a little confronting, she, yeah, isn't it? A little confronting that everybody's laying on top of Jack Nicholas. Um, but it was, Bob was d- different. The, the hold on Australia, mm-hmm. the hold on his mates was f- as important as the winds. Okay. I mean, we used to go, we lived in the States. And mm-hmm. when we were there, it, it, was, it was business to a degree. But Bob has always... 
you know, given it everything he has on the golf course, in fact, Jack Newton used to go mad because he always said, Bob doesn't practice. He just doesn't practice <laughs> like we all do. And then he goes out and shoots 69. How's he doing? I can <laughs> tell you, Jack. Um, but it's, he wanted a whole life. He may disagree with me. Oh, well, I'm about to ask him, so we'll find yeah, out. Yeah, he and I don't think he was prepared to give it all up. Mm-hmm. and move and say, this is where I live and I'm going to, you know, get a slight American mm-hmm. accent and that's it. <laughs> he always wanted to come home. He always wanted Australia. How do you, how, how do you and how did you feel about that then? Well, as a sideline, I married and, as you know, I'm from London mm-hmm. and Bob promised me, promised... <laughs> That we would spend six months in England and six months in Australia, or even longer, because the European tour there wasn't as it is now, obviously. So it would be eight months there mm-hmm. and the rest, the four months back in Australia. This was the deal. Uh-huh. We were going to still live there. We, um, you know, lived with my mum there. And, you know, th- this was the plan. And I can remember we married... Uh, we married in the January, January the 10th, and he was playing in a tournament at the end of the month, or it was at the beginning of February. It might have been the Mars. I can't quite remember the tournament. No, it wouldn't have been the Mars. It was too early. And I heard him say to somebody, oh, yeah, I'm going to try for the play in the States. I tell him, my head nearly swung off. And later I said to him, what do you mean you're going to try and do He said, yeah, I think I'm going to qualify. I said, well, when did this happen? When did this all come about? Anyway, he went to the States. What year did you go to the States? We. We went to the States, yeah. <laughs> we. Yeah, we. T- together you as a team, as a united front. Me. When was this? <laughs> what year did you qualify? 76. Okay. 76. So we married in 75. Five. And by 76... <laughs> all bets were off. <laughs> all bets were off. And the goalposts had changed enormously. They'd become very small to me and very big to Bob. And we went to... The qualifying was at Baytree. But you got a, two weeks before that, I got an invite from Jack Nicholas to play in the first memorial tournament. Oh, right. Wow. Okay. And we went there. Yeah. You can't say and no to that. And that's when I thought two weeks after that was the, was the tour school. Oh, so you thought, I like it here. I might have yeah. a go. Well, they, they used to have two tour schools in those days, mm. June and November. So that I got got to play four rounds at memorial, fortunately, mm. to... to acclimatised to America right. a little bit. And then we went down to, to Myrtle Beach. We went Beach. down to Myrtle Beach, and I must have been the only person there that wasn't really mithered whether he got a card or not. You know, I thought, <laughs> yeah, well, They're all watching is... the scoreboard. You're looking yeah, at the, yeah, looking yeah, at the watch. Can we and go yet? He, he, <laughs> he won the qualifying with Woody Blackburn. And at the same time, Myrtle Beach said, would you like to represent us? Well, you can have the loan of a condominium. You know, you can stay here if you put Baytree on your bag. Okay. And really, that was that was the start of it. It's kind of all laid the, out for you there, isn't it? It's hard to say no to that, it isn't it? It was laid so, out. Yeah. And Free then and it was the, you know... we. You're in America, you're playing the tour. I was in tour. America, playing the tour. You're a wag. Uh, uh, not <laughs> you're exactly, <good>. but... <laughs> <laughs> didn't even know that, what that was. No, and actually, not... when Bob did qualify, I was still there, and they said, you can come to the tour school. You can come to the um, education department of it. Um, my... The, the person that sat next to me, they didn't allow me to be with Bob. The person that sat next to me was um, 
Morris Hotelski? Morris Hotelski <laughs> one side I had, and the Warris, Craig, oh, Craig Stadler. Stadler. Craig Stadler, the other side, and we all qualified together. It was Which the it, most amazing she's thing. She failed to tell you, you had to Rose do three days of like schoolwork. Schoolwork. Actual paperwork, to to actual cars. exams, yeah. and, yeah. and what, yeah. what sort of things? Oh, rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> well, I don't think it was rubbish. <laughs> anyway, I mean, one Craig Stadler did it eight times before he passed, but <laughs> the first Craig question Stadler. was uh, Mr. Jones, Smith, or um, Brown got up at 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock, got his blue, black, blue suit yeah. or whatever, Went through to him going to work and then coming home again. And there's three ways of, and it was half a point for a correct answer out of twenty things. Craig Stadler got one half. <laughs> and he got up at seven o'clock, and that he couldn't tell you anything else. Yeah, but Craig was reading Playboy behind yeah. him. No. <laughs> he, he wasn't no, interested. No, that, that was at Bill Kelfie. Yeah, no. Well, it now matter. he's a director on the tour. Well, I we better <laughs> cut that out yeah. just in case he hears it. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but they, then you did. Were they you, trying to keep did, people out? No, there was only. The, while she was there, there was fifteen people qualified, and right. they needed for all these things. They needed four people to do the these different tasks. Right. And so she, Kathy, went in to make up a four. Well, they did invite me. I didn't just hang around in the locker room. Oh, so you were were actually in with them in the players' class doing the test with them. Three days at the Hilton Like a marker. Yes. You've gone out with the first group as a marker. She she could have got on the tour. (laughs) Could have got on the tour. Yes, if I could have played, I could have got on the tour. If only you could have found a set of left-handed clubs. Then they gave you a, I think it was about 12 questions you had to answer in the end, and... I got the paper and I was the only foreign guy mm-hmm. there in the out of the fifteen. Yeah. And I just put put down what I thought and the first six questions I just put don't know. <laughs> and then whatever the fifth, sixth, seventh one was, I put a bit of an answer in and then the rest of them don't know. Because if you weren't born in America, weren't didn't go to school in America, you wouldn't. didn't grow up in America, you wouldn't. all the questions had nothing to do with me. And I'd been, this is 1976, I'd been on the tour for four years, a worldwide tour. Yeah, yeah, I can play golf. Yeah, what's I this got to do with what's, that? What's going on with me going <laughs> That's right. to a college? That's right. I'll hit a flop shot better than yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah anyway, let's go and play golf. I, so I was obviously first out. Right. I came out through the door and there's a guy called Dr. Gary Wyron. Oh, I know the name, yeah. yeah. I would have said Wyron, yeah. He was there and I put the paper down and he said, just get a cup of coffee and sit down there, Bob. And he he looked at it and he only looked at it for three or four minutes or whatever it was. Wouldn't have taken longer reading 11 I don't know. I thought, oh, shit. (laughs) This is, you know, I've answered one question out of 12. And he just said to me, well done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through you go. Yeah, through you go. You were in. Yeah, because wow. I answered it. I answered it. To the best of your ability. Yeah. Well, I didn't know I wasn't born there, so Fair enough. couldn't answer the questions. You've but nice... I must say Sorry. just one thing, yeah. Rod, about that, that three days there, and I concentrated <laughs> my life out there. I thought, I'm going to get this. It was a terrific three days, and I've always thought, I mean, I don't know what the tour has done through the years, mm-hmm. all tours, but that three days, 
they there was many things that did that weren't associated with Bob, and of course not with me. But coming as I said, I've always been an observer yep. of everything that's going on. They taught you the importance of your pro-am players. Uh-huh. They taught you how to remember a name. And I always yeah. remember Morris yeah. Hattonsky. Morris Hattonsky. His nice. name was Morris Hatowski, ah. the player. <laughs> and try to remember. There was also well, things you on Look at you, him, you've got to think of Hattonsky. Yeah. But also <laughs> religion, also how to behave yeah. with mm-hmm. the media. Be a professional. and Be a professional. Mm-hmm. Do what you like when you're not there. But I thought it was a fantastic... Fantastic three days and an orientation, wondered. isn't it? Yeah, it was a complete orientation yeah. to the tour yeah. for you and whoever was travelling with well, you. They, remember, they all walked out when Wally Armstrong got up. Well, that was right. Well, that was great because Wally Armstrong of... was talking about life on the tour mm-hmm. in America, and and he got up and said you had to stay at the Eight Days Inn, which are the cheapest bloody motels in America, mm-hmm. which. None of these blokes would have stayed. Oh, no, no. <laughs> they might own a couple and they don't even know it, but yeah. And we lo- I looked him up after, while well, he started to talk in the book, in the tour book, and he was, he, in those days it was a top 60, and he was 60th the year before with, I don't know, $58,000 or something. And I, I remember saying to Kathy, I said, I've won three times as much as this bloke. <laughs> <laughs> he's telling me, <laughs> and he's telling me how to be a tour pro. <laughs> yeah, so they most of them, the only people that didn't walk out was Kathy and Sam Farlow was asleep. He was the, <laughs> he was he was the Playboy bloke. He'd that was have, okay. He'd have the he'd have the newspaper. He'd be reading the newspaper, but inside yeah. the newspaper was Playboy. Grown men. They were quite an eclectic mix. I was going to say. concentrated on everything, everything. and everything that went on. Yeah. I'm going to ask you if that stood you in good stead later, and I suspect it. Yeah. It may have done with the role yeah, you've come before. We had some good players here, though, because we had Stadler, mm-hmm. Kratzer, mm-hmm. Um, or Hattonsky. He, he finished up, played in long run. Um, Woody Blackburn didn't last too long on the tour. Some came out in the senior tour and did well. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I want to go back, Bob, to what Kath was talking about earlier, about being underrated and you're valuing yeah. home and all those things. What do you think about what she said there? Have you reflected on your own career? Do you feel like you achieved everything you could have with the, the physical talents that you have? Oh, possibly not. No, no. But um, I always thought... I wasn't as good as what people said I was. Um, Why? Why do you Well, you only know in your own mind. Mm. I mean, I I always had trouble with the putter Mm -hmm. right from when I was a kid, having the yips every now and then. Right. And it used to come and go. But um, when I was on, I was on. But when the other way, it didn't work too well. And do you spend a career waiting for the not being on day when you're like that? Yeah, I, I, and, and I mean, Peter Thompson once told me that I was always too aggressive. Mm-hmm. He said, you'd win a lot more if you thought a bit more about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But I, I couldn't couldn't do that. I had to have a crack. You could only play your own way. Yeah. It's the same thing yeah. that we say about Mickelson, yeah. isn't it? If he just learnt I mean, to, but he wouldn't have won I as much as he did it, either. I looked at it in the fact that they said you would have won a lot more tournaments if you'd have played conservatively, but... I don't think that's right. I wouldn't have won the tournaments I won if mm-hmm. I had have been playing conservatively, a lot of them. You never would have been there no. on Sunday to no. have a chance. No, yeah. but it, 
It's funny how you're going ups and downs. I mean, I got tired stages where I didn't think I could miss a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd get two or three weeks like that where it just all came together for a while. You know, a few times I've won twice in a row mm-hmm. on the tour, which is, you know, not many people do that. No, no, that's right. You know, One just, of the hardest things to do is to yeah, back up, isn't it? Because yeah, it takes a lot of energy. People don't realise yeah, it. Yeah. There's a lot of energy involved in... I mean, I remember the, when I won... When was it the airlines tournament in New Zealand? Cathy didn't come over and... She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going down to down to Wellington to play in the New Zealand Open the next week. And she didn't say it, but she thought, well, he'll, he's won. He won't do any good that week. Uh-huh. And he'll be home. Well, I won the next week as, <laughs> as well. well. So um, that sort of thing. And then I remember playing a pro-am in between those two tournaments. They really? had a pro-am. It was a pro-am. At Palmerston North, uh-huh. hooked all us Aussies in to have a game in this pro am. Yeah, I mean, I played on a golf course I've never seen before and shot sixty three. Wow! That day, won the pro am, and then went to, went to Heritonga and won the, and won the New, Zealand the, home. New Zealand. So it was that sort of run, and then it could be two weeks later, you'd I, I'd I couldn't lose it. hit it for some reason. Anyway, that's a and Newton. I was glad Newton said that about no practice because <laughs> I used to practice. Don't Did worry you? about that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't think there's yeah. any good players really. That Bruce Litsky might be the only one who genuinely didn't yeah, practice. No. All the rest do, don't they, even if yeah. they don't. Yeah, even then. They, you, I practice. Don't worry yeah. about that. That's, it, you know, 400 balls a day at Southern, 200 in the morning, 200 in the afternoon, afternoon, sometimes nine holes in the middle. Yeah. But... Um, that's, that was great that people didn't do it. They thought I had a drink. They thought I didn't practice, and then I beat them. And they said, how did this go? Yeah, how, how, did you manage this to do that? how did you manage to do that? It, it's a funny game, golf, isn't it, Bob? I don't think us recreational players can have any understanding of what it's actually like to be a professional, to be on the back nine of a tournament, an important tournament with a chance to win. It's, it's a world that very few people get to step into, isn't it? And there's no textbook for it, is there? No, no, and it's all different every time, but... and. If you look at these blokes out there, I know that they're nervous. Mm-hmm. They're, they're human. They yeah. can't stop nerves. But that's when that happens, that's when you can control them. I used to love to get like that, that feeling, because I know I, you, now I it's know, important. You concentrate more, yep. you, you're more on. Yeah. You know, and I remember hearing Tiger say once that the reason he plays is for those moments when the pressure's so great that your eyeballs are sweating. <laughs> that's, that's what he craves is to be. And I think there's two responses to that, isn't there? There's most of us, which is, I'm not up for this. I don't want any no. part. And there's those who are like, bring it on. It's the give me the ball, guys, isn't it? Yeah, it's, the, a, it's a the, confidence you know. game. Though. Yeah. You know, it's a, I've got a reputation for holding putts on the last green. <laughs> and because I, people used to say it all the time, I used to walk on the last green. And expect and so, I'm not going to miss this. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it, 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 Whereas VJ sings the opposite. People And Peter O'Malley. People mm. have talked them into being... Yeah, bad putter. Bad putters. Yeah. <laughs> there was nothing yeah. wrong with their putting, yeah. probably. They just got yeah. talked into it. Yeah, but uh, they spoke talking about me. I'm in Fantastic. The, you you thought that way then, in the end, you know, and it's... You a, hear it enough times, don't you? Yeah. 
the footballers here enough time, they're gods, they start acting you, like one. What do you do with the 10-foot putt that's worth $10,000 or whatever it is on the last green? I said, what do you mean you do? What do you do? And they said, you get nervous and all that. I said, why? There's only two things that can happen. That's right. You can get it or miss it, so why get nervous? <laughs> One of my favourite quotes, someone was quoting all the stats about distances and how far from the hole and the percentage of mm. make, and someone said, listen, every putt is a 50-50 proposition. It's either going in or it's not. It doesn't matter whether you're 60 feet from yeah. the hole or two feet. Mm-hmm. There's only two outcomes. Why complicate it with all the rest of it? And they it's say just... the ones you leave short never go in, neither do the ones that go past. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> Anything that's finished past the hole hasn't gone in either. That's absolutely true. I want to come yeah. to, because I could talk to you guys for hours, but we don't have all that time, so I want to come to... I'm going to guess one of your proudest moments, certainly the one you remembered for mostly here in Australia, Bob, which is the 1982 Australian Open. Yep. You, of course, won the tournament, the Australian. The clubhouse had burnt down five weeks before, which I'd completely yeah. forgotten about until I watched the highlights this morning. That was its 50... It's 100th anniversary, yeah. and the clubhouse burnt down on the 50th as well. So yeah. if you're going to be around the Australian at the 150 mark, don't hang around the clubhouse no. <laughs> if they're hosting the Australian <laughs> shortly afterwards. Tell me firstly your mem- some of your memories from that week. I've got some specifics I want to ask you about, and then I want to get Kath's sort of memories from that, because it must have been amazing for you, Kath, to be there as well. So you start, Bob. What do you remember... Well, the first thing I remember was getting drawn with Jack Nicklaus the first two rounds, Mm -hmm. which took me saying that I didn't like the golf course. I couldn't say that. (laughs) That's right, he built it. He'd just done redone it. (laughs) it, Yeah. (laughs) Um, But um, I think that playing with him was a a different deal because... It made you concentrate more. I didn't want to make a fool of myself in front of the best player in the world. Well, he was my hero, you know, and I'd been fortunate to play with him in Australia when I was the Australian amateur champion and a couple other times before that. So you knew him? I knew him. You knew each other? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, we... You'd been to the memorial memorial, seven or eight years earlier. Well, I went there every year, but but he invited me to the first one. And I wasn't a US tour player, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, and we had dinner with him and Barbara one night, just the four of us over there, and that that way, and we had dessert at a Baskin Robbins sitting in a gutter with her and blokes <laughs> tooting on and saying, they never said good day, Bob. They said good day, Jack. Jack. <laughs> and whoever it is but, that you're with, but playing with him mm-hmm. sorted me out straight away. I was on, right. You know, I wasn't going to mess up. You weren't playing with your mates. It wasn't, wasn't no. a bit of fun with Jack you, Newton or Ian Stanley. Or... I might shoot the best score, but I'd carry on properly. Proper and, business and, golf. And, and hopefully hit a few good shots to mm-hmm. show him that I can play a bit. Yeah. Just on that, that's interesting, isn't it, Bob, that other players can be affected by some players like that, isn't it? I think Tiger's mm. got that kind of thing where those who yeah. play with him want to win. There's not a lot of players that other players are like that with, is there? No. They've got to be pretty no. special. No, to get no, that response. No. Well, I've got to say, Jack Nicholas is something else. He's, yeah. he's by far the best player and bloke mm-hmm. that golf's ever had, I think, yeah. or that I've known. Yeah. He's done amazing things yeah. for the game, hasn't he? Yeah. Right from inviting somebody who's not even a US Tour member yeah. to be a part of his yeah. tournament the first year. And it's probably because I played with give... him here in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, might have, I think I won the Order of Merit. And just recognising the international nature of the yeah, game. Well, he was I a traveller. He came yeah. here. He went to New Zealand. He played all over the world. It was a oh, lot I less think, of that these days. Yeah, well, he, he was one. I mean, he wanted his tournament to be international. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there was quite a few blokes that weren't hmm. regular, well, weren't on the US tour, you know, English guys and yeah. South Africans or whoever. 
and me. And yeah, and he'd invite them because he knew they could play and yeah. deserved a, a spot to play. Mm. So you played with Jack for the first two days. What was it like? You obviously played well. We know you went on to win. Yeah, yeah. It, the the uh, well, I suppose that's the big thing in the first day on the fifteenth when mm-hmm. I, I hit the bunker shot and mm-hmm. I thought it wasn't in the bunker and I just mm-hmm. went. <laughs> I didn't hit it hard. I wasn't going to show temper. I just mm-hmm. disappointed. Disappointed that I didn't get it onto the green. And when I walked up, the face came down and it rolled into the bunker. And and it, it was actually, I think it shows on the replay that it was out of the bunker when I... When I when you looked up. When I hit the sand. Oh, I see. Right. But Jack had my card. Mm-hmm. And he said, no penalty, no penalty. But I knew what would have happened the next day. Well, the phones went mad there, apparently. And there was two or three... PGA players that rang up and said that I was cheating mm-hmm. and I hadn't even finished at that stage. And so while you were still on the course, yeah. people are, yeah. are saying you've got to penalise him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, what, what was the upshot? Well, so, we had to talk in the yeah. scorer's hut and Nicholas said it was, no, there's no penalty. Because he thought the ball was outside the bunker when you touched yeah, the sand with yeah. your club. And, and uh, anyway, I said, no, I couldn't. I did, it just... You took it I'd upon yourself. I'd, I couldn't play tomorrow if I were, well, not. I'd be thinking that I'd, people looking at me thinking I'm a cheat. Yeah. So I said, I've got to take the two-shot penalty. And if anything's happened, if things happen from that, you yeah. know, I won the tournament and I took the two-shot yeah. penalty. So is, it, it's, um, is it one of the great things about the game? We often hold it up in golf, and we know that not everybody upholds the rules, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But is it one of the great things about golf that it instills in people a notion of, I'd rather take a penalty I don't deserve than possibly be seen as having an advantage I didn't deserve? Well, hopefully at that level it does, yeah, mm. and, and at the best amateur level and club level or whatever, yeah. but you're not going to get everybody at a club doing that. Was that controversial at the time, Bob? How did, how did people react to that? Did you have to go and talk about that and explain no, why you decided? Really. No, not they, they really. I shut them all up by taking the by penalty. By taking the penalty. There's not much left to be said, I suppose. <laughs> no, I, you know, and I do know two of the pros that called. Right. Hmm. We might... No, I'm not. No, I won't when I turn it. the record button off, you can tell me. <laughs> it's not, not for, what do you remember about that? Kath, were you around there? Did, did you know there was sort of while Bob was still on the course, people were saying things? No, or? because as I mentioned earlier, I wasn't even there. We'd come from hmm. Tweed Heads. Oh. I'd gone home to Melbourne. To Melbourne, mm-hmm. as Bob said to me, "Look, I don't, I don't like the Australian. <laughs> I've never played well there. I'll probably see you on Friday night." <laughs> so I was actually in Melbourne. And no one was more surprised than I was when Bob was playing well. When he took the two shots, I thought, oh, God, well, he's made the cut. And it, it was really that. And then on Sunday, I thought, oh, my goodness. And I started doing some gardening, which I don't like and never do. But I thought, I can't sit here and watch this. Are you, you a know? nervous watcher? Do you find it hard to watch? No. Or did you find it hard to watch Bob? Um, yes and no. Uh-huh. You know, I've always been good at just looking around and, uh-huh. and watching everybody and, and watching Bob. I've, I've always watched him if I'm mm-hmm. there. And I suppose I'm a little bit sus as I'll try and I'll never stand as he's putting towards me. <laughs> I'll always kind of stand to one side. Uh-huh. So the position that I put myself when he's on the green, I do. Is it nerves? <laughs> It was business, uh-huh. and it was his business, and 
I could be there. Bob, I always knew if Bob played well because he didn't want to come home. If he played poorly, then he'd be first in the door. And it's still exactly the same. You were talking about golf itself, and it is still a fascination to me this day, not only with the pros but with the amateurs. Um, you know, bad play, bad behaviour, good play, good behaviour. Mm. And somebody really needs to do some kind of <laughs> psychological work. I'm very surprised that there's not more nervous breakdowns on the tour. Well, yes, I am yes. actually too, to be I honest am. with you. Um, and in fact, they probably are more than we hear about or Absolutely. know about. And that, Absolutely. I, the you yips know. is probably a part of that. Guys yeah. who develop the yips, is a, yeah. there's an anxiety going on there elsewhere. That's not yes. just a physical issue. I don't know how they're worried these days. They don't even have to win any tournaments or do anything. They make... Millions no. a year. No, That's but, true. But the, but the do you reckon is, is it is it more competitive, Bob? Do you think there's more players, isn't there? There's oh, a lot more yeah, players trying to get yeah. there because there's oh, more money in the game. So the game, yeah. it's harder to, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm you know, I was born at the wrong time, but I was. There was blokes in front of me that said, "Geez, you get a lot of money for playing." Of course, and you in did the tournaments we used to play in. And you did uh, relatively, didn't yeah. you? Well, you won. Yeah, so it all it's all relevant, all I suppose. Out. Yeah. I mean, the, the pressure now is is to keep in on the tour. That's right. Once you're on it, and I think that um, Jeff Ogilvy made a very good point this year at Thirteenth Beach when they interviewed. Well, when I was, you know, there with him, and uh, I was well, not actually interviewing him, but he was sitting beside me, and we started speaking about it, and he made a very relevant point that he'd left the tour he said and it's very very hard to leave the tour mm -hmm. it is one big luscious mm -hmm. party yeah. going on and you don't want to get off that gravy train big it's, traveling circus it's, isn't it's it? a, it's a it's... big traveling circus everything is laid out for you yep. you where you eat what you do you know there's hundreds of thousands of dollars many hundreds of thousands of dollars before you even hit a ball yeah. everything's stuffed in your locker yeah. everything's done you really yeah, right. don't know what's going on in the world you don't know all you've got is this this bubble. kind of bubble this this eight star bubble he said and it's very hard to push your way out yeah. because it's 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 a wonderful place to be yeah. and it takes a lot of strength takes a lot to get in it but once you're in it you don't want to leave it no that's right very oh, different. I, I always remember playing in england they used to, they'd give you three balls for the week wow <laughs> and 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 so, well what if i lose them <laughs> but the three golf balls and then when we first went to america the first, I can't remember which was the first tournament I played, but it was somewhere on the West Coast. And, I mean, I'm a nobody. Just got my tour mm. card, nobody. Opened the locker and things fell out. Fell out. Balls and shoes wow. and shirts and gloves and amazing, you name it. it. The locker was jam-packed. America's always had that, hasn't it? Yeah. It's always been that in professional life, much more so. The European tour is much more like it now, but mm -hmm. America's always been that, hasn't mm -hmm. it? The, yeah. That, that whole Ryder Cup thing where the American players were always treated like stars, first class, mm -hmm. and the the European or the English and Irish, team, they'd have to catch trains to get to the course, and yeah. there was always that difference. And, of course, the other irony of it is, Kath, they're all multimillionaires, and none of them ever have to put their hand in their pocket for anything. They're the only ones who can afford anything at the places where they go, and they're the only ones who don't have to pay for anything. And they don't. Oh, absolutely not. Oh, they absolutely don't, mm. unless it's all laid on. They won't I be mean, there. I mean, there are great stories, well, unless the car shows up. 
they're not even going to the dinner. I mean, they're philanthropic in what they do and they produce mm-hmm. a great big book on the US tour on how much they give away mm-hmm. and all pros are required to do a pro-am or to go to the hospital and to see children. But you better have that car revving out the front with a chauffeur sitting in it yeah. or... No chance. Because, of course, you've seen that other side, haven't you? We'll come back to the Australian Open, but we only left that at round one. You haven't even got it round two yet. We'll come back to the Sunday because I think it was probably a pretty big day in your life and career. You, did Has that changed over time, Kath? When did you start sort of working in the golf in that media role, dealing being the liaison between the players and the press in a lot of ways and that media? When did you start that? And have you seen many well, changes over those yeah, years? Yeah, that was... I mean, here or in the States, are you speaking of both? Yeah, where, did, where was the first time you did it and how did that come to be? The first time that I did any media centre was 1989 and Bob came home mid-year and he said, I found you a job. <laughs> I said, well, I don't exactly want a job. I've got two small children. No, he said, this is going to be good for you. He'd played with Grand Marsh in Japan and Grand Marsh ran a tournament or was running a tournament called the Coca-Cola Classic. He did everything from providing the hats to the shirts, all Japanese. Asayo Aoki was coming in. He landed every day in a helicopter on the practice fairway of Royal Melbourne. Right. Jimmy Webster was the media man there. Right. And he needed an assistant. And I was the assistant. Right. (laughs) It's going to be... Terrific for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just like living six months in England yeah, and six months here. Yeah, same kind of deal, wasn't right. it? Yeah. Another little porky pie <laughs> dropped out. Hey. Yes. And that was the start. And it was it was really a fascination. And what did you do? What, what was sort of your role there? You had to... Uh, my role was really to back up Jimmy Webster. Right. So it was... If he needed a player to come in, go out and find them, bring um, them in, that sort I'd of thing? I'd find the player. Mm-hmm. I'd do such a lot of photocopying because I found that... Japanese people don't like to share. Right. And I would try to share, share, but no, they had to have their own... Copy of everything. One one photocopy. We put a wreath on top, flowers on top, because it completely died. (laughs) We had all going all the time. It was was just different, but it was still um, facilitating, facilitating what I was what I was doing if you wanted that if you wanted Japanese mm-hmm. donuts I'll find some Japanese donuts mm-hmm. and have them sent in it's just the small things there's no and job description for what you do is there you, you couldn't go to university and do a course to learn it I don't know what you do I mean I don't know what you what mm. you do there I, I mean, now I still keep up my licence for responsible alcohol serving because otherwise, in the media centre, they want to shut it all down at six o'clock and you know, and you're there till eight and nine o'clock mm. at night, so I have to show a certificate for responsible so alcohol yeah. and food handling. Mm-hmm. So it, it, is, it is very different. Has it changed over the years? The biggest thing that I've seen is that years ago when I started... The players, you would convince the players to come in because it was good good for them to come in. They needed sponsorship. They needed shirts. They needed a, a beer contract. They needed a car contract. So they would come in and any profile that they got mm-hmm. would be advantageous. So you would say to them, or I would say to them, come in. It's very good that you come in because I think you're going to get, you know, backpack or something. Something in it for you. Something in it for you and you need it. Nowadays, Uh they need nothing. That's right. So you've got to say, come in, let's do a little 10 minute. Sometimes I take my watch off and I put the watch down. I say, 10 minutes, give me 10 minutes. Well, Garcia once said, give me three questions. 
you know, and in the end, I'd shut it down and they know that I'll do it because they don't want to come in. They don't want to come in when they play badly and often you want to speak to them when they play badly. Of course. And it's the only sport that actually, you know, tennis players have to come in within 30 minutes or they get fined. Uh, teams have to come in, they have to mm-hmm. send in representatives. Golfers never have to come into that media centre if they don't want to. Why do you think, Kath, there's... I've always wondered about this. Why do players seem to have a default position of mistrust or not most, many, not wanting to deal with the press? Why do you think that is? I think that they're under the spotlight and you want to ask them questions. I mean, the the, the worst are really... Not the worst, but... There was a series then when the British press came over and they would follow over Faldo and ask things about his personal life. It is really known that the Australian press will stick on task and on subject. On golf. On golf. Uh, I don't think there's any reason for them for them to fear professionals, but I do think now and again they throw in somebody... Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Mashoud came in and started to follow Greg Norman into the toilet. And I mean, that was years ago and then quoted that. Now we need so much more than scores because the scores are instant. You used to wait for the scores to come in the paper the next day. Now, as they've hold the putt, they know it. So there is, you're looking for something personal. You may be looking, did you go out last night? Did you see, did you... You know, the mobile... So everybody's on high alert now so in case they're portrayed as not exactly who the sponsors want, want them, them to, to be. be. Yeah. It's a, and it's big business. At the top big end, business. it's really big business. Big business Hundreds of million dollars and change can, hands. And, and in the contracts with the sponsors, the main sponsors, you know, if you bring that that into disrepute, the Nikes... They can or cut the, you. You know, right. the Rolexes yep. or the uh, mm-hmm. Philip Patik... Watch, you're out. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You um, don't get that. Yeah. It's, um, we've, so they're, we've they're strayed, but it's highly a, nervous, yeah. highly strung, highly on point. You know, will they stick to this question or that? But yeah. just give them something. You yeah. Know, give the press something. The ones who are good are brilliant, aren't they? Phil Mickelson's brilliant in a press conference. Brilliant. He brings his own agenda. It doesn't matter what question you ask. Like a politician, he steers it back to what he wants. Absolutely. Others are not. Tiger's never been great. He's one-word answers. Unless you get him on golf. If you get him on golf, I feel like he's good, but he's reluctant most other times I've seen Maybe, maybe. I can remember they sent something after all of the business, you know, with the business. The business, yeah. And he came back and he played here. Yes, I remember. That Stanford University sent, somebody sent me a letter to say that the first interview he did back here was the best interview that he'd ever given. Mm. He was forthcoming. Hmm. And he seemed to be exactly who he was. Obviously, he wanted to get back on side with everybody, yeah. and we were lucky enough to be there at the time. Yeah. That w- when he interviewed, he really expanded what he was saying, and and they said that that's that's the line that should be taken with him. Hmm. I do. I seem to recall. Wasn't there a big dinner, hmm. and Shane Warne was there, and yeah. Tiger was there? Was it Mark Richardson who? Another cricket commentator. What's his no, name? His, Channel name Mark? his name is Mark. Nicholas. Nicholas. Mark, Mark Nicholas. Nicholas. And didn't yes. he say, "Have you guys met?" Which was given their both of their personal backgrounds was Absolutely. a great icebreaker, and that might be what they were yeah, referring and that to. Was at, um, that was at the Crown Crown Casino. And a lot of people too. Tiger walked in in a, in like 
casual jumper. I thought, oopsie diddly do, and stayed. His mum was there uh-huh. on a table, and I was fortunate that I was there and well, once again observing everything that's going mm. on. And he came down in just a sweater, and because he had other business to see to. Yes. <laughs> at, the, at the at the time, yeah. but. He's Tiger Still Woods, isn't he? He's Tiger Woods, Woods and Shane. And he's very much on that clock, isn't it? Very much. You've on got the four clock. minutes, and then I'm you've leaving. Got four minutes, if you yeah. haven't done what you're going to do, you're not getting it. And yet, and yet, if you can just get him, mm-hmm. get him, yeah, not the managers, not the everything else. If you can get him, he's a cracking bloke. He's just a human, isn't he? He's a, a human with a whole bloke. bunch like of a, you know, outside pressures. When you think and... of, of of what he represents and what he's done, he's just. I won't ask you to tell it, but you, of course, had a fabulous exchange with him and a manager many oh, years ago, goodness. which has probably in a funny way cemented your relationship with him because he's not used to being told no, is he, or that he has to do something. Um, it, was a, it was really quite private what went on. Yes, I know. You've written, about, us, you've written it in a book, yeah. and I won't ask you to retell no, it. No, no, Buy no. Buy the no. book. It's a fantastic story. But. Yeah, it, it, it was quite a private thing, and the only thing that made it, that blew it up bigger than Ben-Hur, was a guy called John Hopkins was standing there. John Hopkins is, wrote for The Times, uh-huh. still writes for The Times, and heard, heard the exchange, and then at the end of the week, I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but most tournaments, they write a report. Port. Mm-hmm. They say what was good, like what was not good, uh-huh. especially the media. Mm-hmm. You know, did this work? Did this? You know, this was crap. This was good, and it it was highlighted our exchange. And I said to him, "Listen, I don't need any help." When I knew that it been written about you know and sent and the complaint had been sent to the manager i said john that was naughty of you because this was a private thing that was going on here i went in the locker room i followed him into the locker room i said i don't need any help when it comes to but it did and then it 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 grew and it grew and then an apology i said i don't want an apology i don't want anything and i have to say for the next few times i worked with tiger it was business as usual it was just, I thought, ooh, I didn't like it, never mentioned it, mm-hmm. and we just got on with it. But then over the years, it's be- become, it be- become... Something you share, really, isn't it? It's a, he's got a million stories about him, and you're part of one that's kind of legendary, which is nice. It is, it is. It wasn't my finest moment. No, my language well, wasn't well, my finest moment. So, but then so, again, Bob, some of us might think you're at your best well, when the, Bob, Bob, the language Bob, is I can say well. was less than pleased on a couple of occasions when I've let it when I've let it drop. But Indeed. I'll put a I'll put a little link in the show notes so where people can write, find the book and read the story and it's well worth well worth reading. Let's come back to you, Bob, and we'll talk about Tyre and some other stuff. Go back to the Australian Open. Um Tell me what you remember about the Sunday. You played with Nicholas the first two days. You didn't play with him on Saturday, but you was I think were they three balls on the Sunday? You, Jack Newton, and Jack yeah. Nicholas? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was fine with names. Yeah, that's right. No, no Jack, it's, you're away, Payne Jack. Huh? Was Payne Stewart on the last round? No, he, he played with Jack Newton oh. and Jack Nicholas. Payne made a bit of a Payne Stewart was there, yeah. Newton had about 85 or 86. Not sure. They didn't, they didn't mention him on the highlights, so that's no, possible. No, no. He, <laughs> he didn't get much of a run. He had an awful day. Awful day? Yeah. What do you remember? We all remember the last oh, hole, I, I suppose, being first, a big deal. But First, what is it, 13 holes. First 12 holes. I had not missed a shot. Mm-hmm. And I had not made a putt. Right. And it was getting to me. Because I was playing better than him. I was still in front, mm-hmm. but... And then you were I two shots in front at the start of the day, yeah, if I recall. Yeah, and I, I was sort of like that, I think, um, 
at the twelfth, and Nicholas hit. I always remember he, he hit a shot to a foot at the twelfth, and I thought, shit, this is, I can see what's going to happen here. You know, I've outplayed him for 12 holes and, and he's he, going to come home with four birdies. He's going to nickless me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, on the 13th hole, short par four up the hill at the Australian, the green's different now, but it had a big hump in the middle of the mm-hmm. green in those days he, and he put it there. Yeah, that's right. That's it, you know, <laughs> His hump. And, and it, just just pin, accepted a left to right shot pin, beautifully, the, did it? No, you're in trouble. <laughs> Well, that's what I hit, but, it's, but the pin was behind this hump and I hit the shot in and it hit into the hump and spun back, apparently. Anyway, I've got about a, oh, I suppose, 30 or 40-footer and I hold it. I mean, I'd had 10 putts of 15 foot and maybe less for, for 12 holes and now I hold this. And um, I think he made a par, I'm not sure, but... Then the famous what happened on the bloody 14th when... With the photographer. The fog, he fell out of the bloody tree yeah. and I whipped it straight into the... Chipped it out. And when I hit the shot to the green, I hit it all right, but I wasn't real happy with it, but I didn't hit it... I knew I didn't hit it with a lot of spin, but it landed nicely and ran. It ran. Straight in. Pitched it in for a birdie. And, and he walked past me and said, give us if it was a break, will you? <laughs> That's all he said. And then, you know... Back to the mic before we move Sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, he, um, I thought, I've just got to try and hit greens from now on. Yeah. Well, we both double bogeyed the... the 15th? Um, 17th. Yeah. That's actually a funny thing. Cathy was taping it and the tape ran out <laughs> at the 16th and then she re-taped it when I was on the 18th. <laughs> so you missed it. The double bogey doesn't exist the in the Shearer House. It doesn't exist. Fantastic. Nicholas had one too, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you missed that one too. But, it is, <laughs> but the last hole is the one I remember because he had a ripper drive. And then somehow I... Snuck one past nailed him. Nailed him about 15 yards past him. Mm-hmm. Then I know he hit a one-on-one over the water onto the green, up right up the back, but and that's when I had the argument with my caddy mm-hmm. and the and the head marshal. Four in front at the time? Yeah. I think. Four and the front. head marshal, mm-hmm. Bob Wilson. Oh really? Yeah, he was the head marshal. He told me to lay up. So they were counselling common sense. No, I said Lawrence <laughs> I, he gave me the yardage and he said hundred and thirty five. I said, What? <laughs> Because we worked for those yards. not familiar, the 18th Australian is a par five. Yeah, with water, with water in, front. in front. You've got to carry the water to carry yeah. it on the green. You can yeah. lay up so to the left. 135, he said. And I said, What do you mean 135? He said, Boss, we lay up, then we pitch it on and two putt yeah. and win the Australian Open. And what straight went in my head was that, yes, I lay up and then hit it in three times. <laughs> And lose the Australian Open. Really? So what you really thought on the 18th fairway? I didn't say anything, but I thought about it. Really? Thought, There's no way I'm laying this up. I said, Jack Nic- I'm talking to myself uh-huh. here. Jack Nicholas has just hit it to the back of the green. I'm 15 yards. I took a three iron. I said, I want a, a yardage to the front of the green because I knew if I could hit that three iron and hit land, yeah, I didn't care where You'd it went. You'd be okay. After yeah, that. That's right. As long as it was... went in the water, you drop it on the edge. I three putt and win. Yeah. So it's not as hard a shot as people think it is. But um, 
Still, it's the best three-on I've ever hit in my life, yeah. I must admit. And it finished in the middle tier on the green. Knocked it so, into the heart of the green. It was, yeah, so it was the professional, professional yeah. shot, wasn't it? The long yeah, one across the I've, I'm, I'm having a, almost a tug-of-war with the three-on yeah. with my caddy, and I've got the head marshal telling me to lay up. <laughs> Probably half the crowd. Off, who plays off 22. 22, that's right. Yeah, that's what I know. do, Bob. But I suppose, Bob, we look at Jean Vanderveld. Now, the number of shots lead might be different. Yeah, yeah. But look yeah. what happened to him. Yeah. He did exactly what you did. And everybody says, oh, if his caddy had told him to lay up, that would have all worked out all right. Yeah. But I, as a play, the player knows, don't they? Sometimes? I just walked off the plane going to the European Seniors Tour in London as he did that. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know the circumstances, but no, I would, if I'd have had that man of lead there, then yes, you do lay up. You know, it's a. But. Not what shot through my head <laughs> of laying up and then dumping two wedge shots in the water. What about bad thoughts, Bob? They must come to you, I suppose. We watch yeah. players on the TV and, they, as you say, you know they're nervous, but to us they look like they're in complete control of everything. But Yeah, I think what extended my career a little bit was Noel Blundell, sports psychologist. Right. Um, and he takes that out of you. How, but, how does he do that? Well, how did you come to see him? On, on what you're doing. What you're doing. You, you will not go near the ball until all the, there's not a negative thought there. Right. You've got positive thoughts. That doesn't stop you hitting in, in no, no, the no. bad area. No, of course not. But you've got a, probably, you know, a 90 or more percent chance of not doing it. But if you get that thought when you stand over it, stand back again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I suppose at club golf you could do it, but you don't. Care you just keep going and well, you got to whack it in the pot or the water and <laughs> then fail to get it out. Yeah. And the rest of it. Anyway, it's it, that was the well, not the highlight, but I played very well that week. And I think on the uh, third day, I remember at the uh, the third hole, it's changed again now. There used to be a deep pot bunker at the back of the green there. A short path four over the water. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah. And they had the pin right up. The, it wouldn't have. It would have been nine or ten foot from the back of the green, right near the near the um, pot bunker. If you hit it in the pot bunker, you couldn't get it up and down. Dead, yeah. And defy Gary Player to get up and down. Anyway, I, I knew that, so I, I thought I, I won't. I won't hit the seven iron. I'll hit the hit the eight iron and put it in the middle of the green. Well, I absolutely flushed it. And it was going straight, and I'm, I'm thinking, no, 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 <laughs> it's going in the back bunker. You know, it's going to land up the back and bounce. It didn't bounce; it went straight in the hole. Straight in the hole. Two. <laughs> yeah, two. Two. Is that how you know it's your week? That's well, kind of your week, isn't me, it? Yeah. Told, told me something. <laughs> no, well, that kind of wipes out the two-shot penalty from well, Thursday, does, doesn't yeah, it? Really? Yeah. Now yeah, you're back that, to square. And... I mean, that's something that's, you know, it, it, it's a three-shot. Minimum turnaround. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's, that's right, because you, you're going to make five otherwise. You know, well, it, you know, could bounce and land in the bunker and half bury you. Yeah. You know, you, could, you might have six. Yeah. yeah. But You've played and won all over the world, Bob. What do you feel like golf's sort of given you? Obviously, it's been your living. You've done okay out of it, you know. I've made a living out of having a hobby. It's I've amazing, never thought it? it as work. It's amazing, isn't it, to think that that's possible? Yeah. That's probably why I was, I've been a bit lax in, I don't know, um, you're talking about 
and what what's the difference when you talk about Tom Watson and Jack Nicklaus? You're talking about the greatest players in the world. Mm-hmm. They're they're different physically. No, but they're different. Mm-hmm. They've got something. Every every out and out champion is in any sport has got something different. I don't think I ever had that, but I never tried to get it either. Are you bored with it? Didn't, we didn't. We, I might have practised and everything, and I only started doing the exercising, stretching stuff late when Trevor Barker, who was the captain of St Kilda Football Club here, lives around, lived around the corner from us, and he got me on that. He said, you don't need to lift weights, you just need to stretch. And it may be that I'm still at 70, still swinging reasonably well, mm-hmm. you know, not, not short and... Yeah. All that sort of stuff. Um, that that stretching helped for I don't know. I must have done it for nearly twenty years, fifteen years. Okay. Every morning, every night. Swinging the club itself every day would help too. Yeah. That, that that's yeah. a form of stretching in itself, yeah. isn't it? Just yeah. continuing. And the other thing is, I had uh, over the years, I haven't had any injuries, major yeah. injury. No. You had the odd vertebrae and yeah. this and that. They're and, sort of a modern thing, aren't they? Yeah. The way they the, go the, at it yeah. now with the gym work and the big upper body strength yeah even even me when i went to a chiropractor that just from practice and playing all the time they used to say your muscles down the left side of your spine Uh are bigger than the muscles down the the right side of your spine so that's where you can toss a vertebrae out right you know one's weak one's strong yeah anyway that all that stuff but that's i don't think the it wasn't as intense in my day. Wasn't the blokes finished and you sat in the locker room and had a couple of beers. I, I haven't sat in locker rooms or late, late, even when I was finishing playing, they weren't doing that. No. More money, isn't it? Yeah. More money draws yeah, more people. So I've just noted, Kath, checking your watch because we know that you've got an appointment. So I, no, 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 no. But what I wanted to ask was it just made me think, Bob... We know Kath's got her own role in position in golf, and as you say, you're now Mr Shearer, <laughs> you're Kathy's husband, Something, as opposed yeah, to yeah. her being your wife. What role's Kath played for you in, in your career and the success that you've had? It's a team oh, effort, it's is it a team. Not? We were travelling with two kids in America. We used to have two rooms a lot, didn't we? And she's been, unbeknownst to me, in the middle of the night walking down the corridor in the hotel, keeping Brett or Bobby quiet. That I can get sleep, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's in, that was invaluable. You can only say it. It, it helped me. I, I mean, I well, we had a bit of it. With Dale Hayes came when onto the tour there, and he was well South African and on his own. He he was like a lost sheep or whatever, lost whatever over there. They didn't. They didn't like foreigners in the days no, when, when I was there. Even later, because when I got, when day, I got my tour card, there was only Crampton, Devlin, and and um, David Graham playing. Crampton was right at the end of his career, anyway, and Bruce and David were playing. And that was they were the only Australians on on the yeah. tour. And I must say, David Graham and Bruce Devlin helped us enormously oh. the first couple of years, or first year, where to stay, how to get there, what to do, all that sort of stuff. But it's all the important stuff, isn't yeah. it? The golf yeah. kind of takes care of itself. A, but... It's quite a different thing when you're going to places that you've never been, yeah. and most of the tour that you're playing on 
have been there for five years or more. Yeah, you know? they all know it. Yeah. They, know where they're, yeah. they know where they're staying. They know yeah. what they're doing. So, what about you, Kath? What do you feel like has been? I know because you're, you're a strong and independent and wonderful woman, obviously, but do you feel you've had a role with Bob and his career? Did you feel there was some way that you contributed or there was a role for you as doing the things with the kids, as Bob says? How do you view all of that? Well, I, I think there certainly is. I learnt very much in the early stages that there's only one star in the family mm-hmm. and it's definitely not the wife when you're on the tour, you know. And uh, as Bob said, you live together, you're 24 hours a day together. And also back then we could travel 40 weeks a year. Mm. Now when I hear the pros say, well, I've got a full <laughs> schedule at 22, I always say to well, what do they do with the rest of the time? <laughs> Probably spend their money or buy cars. But make we make were, more Yeah, we were, on the, we were on the road mm-hmm. 40 weeks well, a year. Yeah, 40 to 45. Yeah. You, you had to do it. That's amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And, and I look at these players now that they so he's got an injury so he has four weeks off yeah. i mean we could you couldn't do it couldn't take four Not, weeks off i mean unless you had broken arm <laughs> you had to true. keep playing mm-hmm. you, to you keep. just had to keep playing because there's good money to be made isn't it but you've got to keep your cards yeah. and, and and at that time yeah. it was harder to keep your card if i'm not mistaken oh yeah when did they bring yeah. in the 125 um oh it was when did we play probably was it one i'm gonna say Three, three, two or three years was the top sixty when I first yeah. went there, and then they put it to the to one twenty five, which I think made it a bit easier. Well, Jack Nicholas has said plenty of times: it's what creates mediocrity on the tour is making it too easy to keep your place. Yeah, it was a, it was a fight. The if you've got top a, sixty, that's right. But in the early stages, Bob, there were two cuts. It was yeah. cut on a Friday, cut on a Saturday. Oh, really? And you could play Sunday and not earn any money. Yeah. They really? only paid down to a no, certain... So you could that, go that, the whole week and not earn a penny at the end that, of the week. But that happened when there was weather weather conditions a lot. But there were two cuts, weren't yeah, there? Yeah, they, they, they went to 40 for the last day. Right, so 60 played but only 60, 40 got paid sort of thing, is that...? No. You, well, you, you... Oh, they cut it to 40 for Sunday... Yeah, a lot of times. No, but right. you could play. Yeah, but you four could play. Yeah, four and rounds not and not get paid. And not get paid. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a. I mean, the, the players arced up with that one. Yeah, yeah. I was going to. How do you reckon that'd go down? Today? Well, <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't find and, forty blokes to tee it up Thursday if there was a chance of that. Then, thing, would you? then the opposite happened. That they paid the you know whatever it is the fifteen that didn't play or didn't. Right, and they didn't play, and they got the same money as the, the as the last player got. Well, that's no good either, is no, it? Well, that's that, not a solution. The players arced up. I was going to say one. they were <laughs> like that either. <laughs> so the, all the blokes that didn't miss the cut or miss miss the cut got the same money as the last place. Well, yeah, so that's right. <laughs> getting paid not to work. So the bloke had to play on the last day yeah. and he got the same money as, you know, it could have been 25 of them that didn't have to play. Yeah. And go and do what they want. That makes no sense, does yeah. it? Even to, even to communists, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't have and a system were, like that. That's a, and they were going to try it. Well, they tried it in, in Europe, the points system. What do you mean by that? British, instead of money, right. on a order of merit, yeah. It was points because uh, the majority of players that played in all the smaller tournaments, all of a sudden the British Open and the British PGA and that were bigger tournaments. Right. So, so the blokes would make more money in them. So they 
they said, right, well, we, we go a point system, and the, I can't think of who was the guy that won the Order of Merit, but Brian Barnes won £22,000 more than the winner of the Order the of Order Merit. They no, can't and that, either. that stopped that one. Yeah. And then they wanted to do it here in Australia. It's hard, isn't it, Bob, because you've got tournaments at different levels, and so yeah. it's a hard it's a hard way to do it fairly. And, the, and, well, and as you say, the deeper fields have got, the more people who want to go and play, the more difficult it is to manage... Who gets to play? Because in golf, you've always sort of had 20-odd players who are clearly the best. They're in yes. the category. Yeah. Then you've got 100 blokes every year fighting for those other 100 spots. Yeah. And, and there's, the and there's that, 500 below fighting for the same 100 spots trying to get up. They were the blokes that wanted the Wollongong Open that was for 15 grand uh-huh. to get the same points as when in the Australian Open. Yeah. Yeah, which and is absurd. Unfortunately, it never got through. Yeah, it's but absurd, it, isn't yeah. it? It doesn't make any sense. As fans, Kath, they're all the things we don't look at, aren't we? But as a as a member of the tour family, you're not interested in you know the number of putts you've taken the rest of it, except as it pertains to how much you've made that week and where it puts you on this list to get in there. It's everything that's not related to the golf that's important to the players, isn't it? And their families, the keeping your card and all that stuff that fans never think about, do they? They just watch the golf on the day. Well, they don't, and they don't realise that. And I'm speaking of many years ago. You know, you never quite unpacked your suitcase. Uh-huh. You always left. You know, <laughs> yeah. there was always a layer underneath where you think, oh. Maybe not this week, right. you know. And what's that like? What's that? the way to, be, to live? You, you used to sort of find out real quick about that, though. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you would you would sense that first day what was going well, on. Well, you would. I mean, you do get a feel, don't you? But well, what's you it like, Kath, as a mum and a wife to live like that? That's well, you not always wanted late early. Yeah. Always so wanted you to could play be, late early. So you could be gone early. You could be if... gone on the Friday, and you knew. And I used to. I had a great friend out there called Margie Cordwell, who was married to Rex Cordwell, who is now married to David Hinson. Much better. Rex choice. or Marjorie? Marjorie. Oh, right. Okay. So Rex and David didn't get married. Marjorie. No, right. No, okay. No, no, Just no, want no. to clarify. And um, because I've got such a strong accent, she would call up for me and ask, especially on the Friday, "Can you give me a score on Bob Shearer, please?" Oh. <laughs> Can, and she I was would, going to mention this. And she would she would phone up and see where Bob was, and I knew if it was time to start packing. And of course, years ago, Bob was a fantastic, orderly person, and he always carried an airline book. Every year, you'd get an airline book, and it was every flight. Really? Yes, every. Well, we were no managers. No, you know? it's, well, that's an app, isn't it? Before there was such a thing as an app, a this book. A book. <laughs> this was a book that kind of a, an oblong book, and Bob always knew there was a Delta flight at four, there was a United <laughs> flight, there was a something, and I would. St- he would sort of know where we were, and if he came in, he'd phone me when he finished, missed the cut, get cracking. And then it would be the scramble, yeah, scramble to, to get, get going, zip, I'm coming there, the car's waiting, be outside, and, you know, I had, I had one or maybe two children at the time, all whipped up, straight to the airport. No yeah. no net jets. No, 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 no. <laughs> and and nannies. There and a, Could I tell you, you know, one, of, one, one opposite one to absolutely. that? Absolutely. Atlanta, playing in Atlanta the first round. Doesn't matter what I'm doing, but I'm... I'm Doing all right. She rang up to find out what I'd shot. Mm-hmm. We rang the media centre to find out mm-hmm. what I'd shot because probably getting ready to pack. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, the girl there told her as as 
she was on the phone to the girl on the front desk. They were taking me past her. Ah. And the girl said, oh, oh, yes, yes, Bob Shearer, yeah, he's just gone past. He shot nine under 63. <laughs> and she went, no, no, Shearer, S-H-E-A-R-E-R. <laughs> yeah, that got in the book by Peter De Bruyne. Peter De Bruyne wrote about the faith of the wives. So, well, this is a great one for you and a true story. <clears throat> but I did used to get often an American to phone up, so you know exactly where you sit. Of course, the worst was when you were sitting on the cut. Right, yeah, well, that's right, because you just don't know. You've got to wait. And then the next, the next week, you had to try and pre-queue. If you missed the cut. If you missed the cut, when oh. we were first over there, so well, then you had to hightail it to... Um, oh, I remember you yeah, missed you the cut, the cut you were in the next week. That's right. And yeah. if you were on the borderline somewhere, you had to go and try and pre-queue on the Monday. Monday. So now we're looking at Friday. So if you had um, an early late, then it really was. It's you you couldn't get out on the Friday night. You, you had to, to get there on the Saturday. You had to, and it was... That's nightmarish, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic it's if you make it. Late, it's still late, true late, of the game. Late early was always the best time yeah, to yeah, play. Because it, it Friday was afternoons. Less, but there's a less gap between... Oh, of course, yeah, when you playing. finish and so starting again. if you played again. well in the first day... You could keep it going you, the next. You dinner, sleep, yeah. back there. Routine. And you feel like you're still yeah. in the zone or whatever yeah. you are, you know. But, but I never used to get that here in Australia. Never late early? No, no, because, well, I was in the marquee groups Always in the TV the groups, that's right. So you always played late on a Friday. Yeah, fantastic. It's amazing, isn't it, the way, mm. what goes on behind. It's still true. At the very top of the game, there's no better place to be, is there? No. At, at that middle rung, even now there's more money in it, but you mm. bounce between the PGA Tour and the web.com tour. Mm. That's not much of a life. Mm. That's, Ooh, not, no. that's not much well, fun. Well, well, I know, well, I know what he's feeling like. The qualifying part was similar to that. Yeah, that, that's right. Every week you're yeah, playing for your job again, yeah. and again, and again, and yeah, again. See that, and I mean, they, now they—if you could finish in the top ten, you're in the next week. That's right. But you know, you're talking about millionaires going then. Yeah, well, there's a lot of money in the game, isn't there? Is it? Has it changed the game, do you reckon, Bob? For the players? a little bit. For I've the good or for the, 19, for the good or not? What was it? Nineteen seventy, not seventy. Trying to think. Yeah, 70, 76, I think. 70, 70, 77. 76 or 77. When did I win Tallahassee? Mm, somewhere around there. Can't remember. I might I say 82. To, I went uh, to Hilton Head. 82. I reckon 82 on Wikipedia. I looked you up on Wikipedia. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 82. 82. You're on the Open and I went, Tallahassee. I went to, we went to um, Hilton Head and I ran about fifth. Then we went to Tallahassee and I won. Then we went to New Orleans and I ran second. Then we went to um, Fort Worth. I ran about fourth, fifth. Then third at Dallas, I think. In those five weeks, I won about 135,000. If it had been... 2018. Two two years ago, it would have been four and a half million. Four and a half million. And if you don't think there's a difference between 135,000 and four and a half million, you know, so I was in the wrong era. Wrong era. But that 135,000 was a way lot more than blokes in the era before me. Yeah, and a lot more than blokes fitting tyres for a living down the road here at Brighton too. So it's all relative, obviously, isn't it? You know, as you say, you're you're making a living out of of doing a hobby. We've got to wrap it up soon, so I'm going to ask you. Kath, any, not regrets, anything you'd do differently looking back with Gold Creek? 
Because you've established your own golf career, independent of Bob, obviously. What do you mean? For, for, for Bob or for me, what I do differently? For you. For me, I've, I've, squeezed that, I've squeezed that lemon till every bit of juice has come mm. out. I don't think that I could have done... I mean, Bob opened a little door for me and I've squeezed my foot through and squeezed my whole ample body through it. I don't think that there's anything I could have done differently. Uh, I really believe that, you know, I'm a bit of a fraud um, yes. I, uh, that I don't play, that I never knew, that as as said... Isn't that better, though? I think maybe... On Probably many knows levels, more about it than most pros. It might be an advantage. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was an advantage because I could look at the people, not look at the game. That's right. And I think that has been a great advantage to me. Especially really. the superstars you do. And you, you've had to deal with those, you know, the Tiger and yes. Greg. And they're superstars. Yes. Most people in golf who come across them are naturally a bit... Never felt that way. No. Never felt. And, in, of course, Greg Norman kept me in a job much longer. This was a job I was doing for a oh, couple of years. And this year is my 30th year of doing, of doing yeah. what I do now. And, and Greg Norman kept me in it for a long time. What do you mean kept you in it? Um, yeah. Well, everybody thought I had some kind of connection. And, and I did. Bob, well, Greg mm. Norman's first event overseas was with Bob. He, right. They played World Cup oh, okay. um, a million years ago. Uh, and quite he, a million. Well, <laughs> <laughs> half, half a million. Nearly half a million. <laughs> right. um, Splitting hairs. And, and I think that really, as I said, a couple of things, I got great adv- advice in the beginning. As Bob told me, good play, good behaviour, bad play, bad behaviour. And Jeff Roach, an old writer, right, writer yeah. Adelaide Advertiser, then became the editor, said look, we all know what we're doing. We know how to write. He said, but try and have a laugh in the media centre. Make it a bit of fun. Make it that, you know, we're all in there because we love getting away from the office. We love to do these events. Golf writers are the most enviable job on a newspaper. Everybody wants to be the golf writer. And I think that stood me in very good stead. And I've... I'm, don't say I'm a quick learner, but I'm observant of people and mm-hmm. observant of ways. But as I said, I can thank Bob for putting me in. I can thank a <laughs> fellow called Renton Laidlaw, mm-hmm. um, a commentator, a Scottish commentator, who I knew even before I met Bob when I was a cigarette girl. And when I started in this business, I would go to him. I said, Renton, you know, I don't really know. About, no, Cathy, no. He said, <laughs> no, no. And he gave me the most enormous confidence and said, you know, you can do it. You can do it. Out you go. I said, oh. And he has been mm. a wonderful mentor. Actually, this year he turns 80. Wow. And I'm going over as a surprise oh, for lovely. him July the 6th. I don't think he listens to the podcast, so well, he won't know matter. that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll tell him to. But that I've had a couple of wonderful mentors along the way yeah. that have assured me. That's true of everyone, that, don't you think, though, Kath? Nobody gets think, there without some mentors. Well, I think, I think the in any, people do. In any industry. And I know. think also you have to give credit to them. And yeah. I think nowadays perhaps the difference is, you know, I work with a lot of young people that I adore and that I love, but they're terribly quick to tell you they've done this because they're not connected with anything. And when you actually speak to them you absolutely know that they've had a hand up along the way and that's what we all need. And they haven't perhaps recognised it because what you do has got nothing to do with golf, has it? What you do is people management. You could do that in any number of industries. You just happen to have landed in golf 
because of Bob and correct, and correct. It, but it's and a it's like a people it's a and people's I'm job. I'm really yeah. only a facilitator. I facilitate yep. what you want, Rod, yep. with the player. Yep. And the, if I think that I'm any more important than that, it all goes pear shaped. I'm, I'm not convinced there's any, there is anything more important than that, <laughs> and and more and more so the longer we go on, because the gap between me and the player is only getting bigger. Mm. And the number of people between me and the player is only getting bigger. Mm. When you finally get to the player, they're fantastic people. Mm. They don't know what's going on between you before you get there. But you used to be able to get to a player without too much trouble. Now it's almost there are some players you wouldn't even bother. Well, because they've got a lot of gatekeepers That's in right. between, yeah. and they earn their money by not exactly producing anything. You know, they don't produce a chair or nope. a, do anything. They're there, and sometimes. The biggest arguments I have with the managers, and one or two, I was Jay Danzi, I said, do you just come to the golf course to disagree? Do you just come here just to make problems? You know. How did that go down? Not well. But I said, you know, what what do you do? Would you just change to tell me he's going to the zoo now and he can't do? That was when he was with Jordan Speed. Uh I said, would you just come in the morning and think, well, let's change all the plans? And, you know, to a degree, Adam Scott's manager, who completely bypasses me, completely, and won't speak. And what are they doing? Mm. You know, just, we've got a format. They've got people that want to speak to them. And if they allow the player in for five or ten minutes, you get the questions. It's done. And the day is over. Otherwise, we've got the chase. Where are they going? Where are they going to be? And then they want to know why the photographer's or here, or mm. there, or watching them out the hotel, or standing there. Yeah. But they have to do something for their 25%. Exactly, and of course the players, when you finally get to Jordan or Adam, fantastic people, couldn't be more generous with their time, happy to do whatever you ask them to do. Absolutely. But you just can't get to them. Absolutely. Well, you, you, <laughs> you, you have to get, you have to get through that's them. That's right. And they, the, the managers, have to justify their, their own wages, position, that's their right. own position, or they're gone. The middlemen, Kath, in, yeah. in every generation, right mm-hmm. back to the Romans, it's the middlemen who cause it, those who create their own energy. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a problem that only I have the solution for. Absolutely. And then you'll buy it. Absolutely. So. Yeah, yeah. And then they go back to the plant and say, well, oh, I sorted yeah. that. Yeah, that's you right. Know, oh, you don't have to go <laughs> in now. That's exactly and, right. <laughs> exactly right. What about you, Bob? Do you look back? Would you have done anything different in your career when you think about things on reflection? Apart from being born later, so you could have won more money <laughs> and not not had to put up with me sitting here asking you questions. Oh, possibly yes. Yeah, yeah. Now in this day and age, what you know. Um, what sorts of things, though? Is it the things well, that we might automatically the, think? Well, or it, it, would you have tried to win more money, win more well, tournaments, well, do more it, practice? It, what it, it's, yeah, it, it, it's that part. It, but it wasn't around in those days. Mm. That nobody, I, I would have been have to be the one that thought of it. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, I think Norman did. Mm-hmm. He started with the uh, working out and all that. But, you know, I did, but it was a bit late, probably. But... Uh, no, I wouldn't change too much. You'd be pretty like, happy, I haven't you? Like, I would have like played better, that's yeah. all. You've had a good life, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, Can yeah, we need to ask been, any more than that I will say, I'll say it's been a very selfish life. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been very fortunate to have a lady hanging on there and helping out all the way. I don't think I'd be sitting here talking to you if I, I hadn't had care. Cathy. I was going to ask you about that. No, no, I wouldn't be here. No. No, and I think you, you, uh, and then probably every sportsman goes through it. You, I say sportsman, but um, 
I hated it when I the career was finishing, and you know, and you can't do anything about it. You could go and practice every day, all day, for six months, and it was not going to make any difference. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to get tired. But um, it's a not a good feeling that you can't do what you used to do. And uh, but that's life, and everybody goes through it. Every industry too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but other than that. Isn't that what makes young people so annoying? I I look at it and think, well, we've had a reasonable life. Um, It's uh, And I've done something that, as I said before, I didn't regard it really as work. Just a hobby. It was was a hobby because when I'd played ten weeks or whatever it is or eight weeks on the tour in America or even here, then when you'd have two weeks off, I'd go and play golf. Play golf. But there was two... Two, le- two levels I had. I had the the professional, professional golf, level, yeah, business and, golf, and the, and the having a hit and with the max recreational level. social level. Yeah, you're off to play today, Bob. In about a minute's time, so we're going oh, to finish no, this up. No, I'm, who, no, I'm all right. I'm, who are you playing with? Who are the groups that you still play with? And what sort of? I know Peter Senior goes on a holiday every year with a bunch of blokes. A playoff twenty. I find that staggering. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing with well, yeah, blokes like that. Yeah, they're all cheats, you... and, and uh, <laughs> so they should all be off ten. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, that's you know, I'm playing with our doctor today, Doctor Sanini, and he's I think he's off twenty one or something like that. You must know pros who would find that as painful as having a tooth extraction without anaesthetic to play with twenty markers. Well, yeah, but I've, I've grown up you? doing that, right. and I used to be one of them too. <laughs> so it's, they're not, they don't want to be a 21 handicapper. No. But uh, they have other – well, he's a doctor. So, mm-hmm. You know, he's our doctor. He's a local GP, and uh, he's been there for 30-odd years, hasn't he, I guess. But isn't that the beauty of it? Isn't that something as a non-golfer? Yeah. Isn't that the, no, that you can come in and you can enjoy it and even know – it's the only game mm. that these folks could go and play that's against right. Tiger Woods and beat him. Yeah, you that's know, right. You can't. I, well, how do Federer. You, how do you do? How that do you play the Federer? That's right. All that sort of stuff. I, mean, I could stand and let Roger hit balls at me, but it's not going to be much fun for either of us, is it? That'll be going back. I can yeah. assure you of that. But that's then, right. You know, I'm, uh, we went through that with Ivan Lendl in the in the yeah, because he can play, can't he? He's a good player, and his daughter's a good player. Stage, he was the fastest server or whatever. I've Oh, you stood there. Oh, you stood there, yeah? No, not with a racket. I just, just stood, stood there. there. I would have had no chance yeah, hitting it. Can't see it. I didn't know where it was going <laughs> anyway when it came down. It was, and, and they served 50 kilometres an hour faster, faster than, than that. they served. Now. Yeah. They so. served. But it's, that you know, that's golf. And go, I play, I've got well, Sanini and I think a 15 handicapper and a Twelve handicapper today, today, but that's that's the average. The average on a, at a club golf yeah, is is that's, that's my eighteen level. or yeah, something like that. That's my level. Yeah. Um, and Thursdays are good days. There's four groups of us that play, and we mix around and everything. Wednesday, which is a day that Kathy doesn't like because we have a few drinks on a Wednesday. Correct. <laughs> right. More than a few. But there's there's about thirty six blokes, and they just. Keep rolling them around through all the groups, yeah. Through, through the groups, and I was told by my lovely wife to play on Mondays, 
It's the old boys day. Oh, I, I, I now qualify for the old. How old did you say? We were? 70? Seventy. Seventy. I'm nearly. I'll be seventy-one in May. That's amazing. It's fantastic. And um, they play. Where did you find a forty-year-old wife? True. Yeah. She was. <laughs> she, she was in a pram. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, what you describe. There's a genuine love for the game, there, and you would yeah. see this as a non-golfer, Kath. It yeah, grabs a hold of people, doesn't it, in a way that's bizarre. It is, it is such a love. And as yeah. I said in the beginning, that Bob is the quintessential yeah. golfer. Yeah. And others have said, you know, what, what's his other hobby? And through the years, we've made up different things. <laughs> you know, we had a, we were sharing a horse once. And, but it really is all, all lies. It wasn't lies at the time. He did. Yeah. But there's been no oh, other God. love for Bob than oh, golf. golf. It's a, it I'm is, never, I'm never not. I think of it, why do I want to go and play golf all the time? I've been doing Surely you've played enough golf, I've been Bob. Doing it 55 <laughs> years, nearly 60 years yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And, and I still can't wait to get there. Still get up in the morning. Three hours to get later, there. I'm saying, That's what am right. I doing here? That's right. What was the old Seti saying? He, when I was young, I'd get to the 10th there, I'd be sad because there was only nine holes to go. Now I get to the 10th there, I'm sad because there's still nine holles to go when he wasn't playing like he used to. <laughs> would, would make him cry. I haven't even touched the service with you guys, but Bob, been fantastic. Thank you very much for taking some time. You're welcome, Rod. And Great Kath, to see you. Yeah, thank you. And Kath, thank you for both taking some time and bringing Bob here and taking him off to golf others. But always, <laughs> always fantastic well, to see you. Well, thank you, Rod. Always good to, to work with you, beside you, and for you. And oh, for? Well, well, I don't think we've ever got well, there, Kath. Now and again, well, now and again you uh, asked me a few <laughs> crafty things, and you're a bit slippery. <laughs> I can be. You can be, yeah. I've never got away with any of it, have I? Not so a lot. That's right. Not a lot. Met my match. Thank you very much. Really do appreciate Thank it. Thank, Thank you. you. I'm sure it came through in the recording there, but what a joy it was to spend some time with one of the game's great couples. I can't thank Bob and Kathy enough for subjecting themselves to that, and I hope that you enjoyed the chat as much as I did. On our next episode, we're going to change tack completely when we meet a man who never touched a golf club until he was in his 50s, and only then after he'd started construction on one of the world's top 50 golf courses. Don't miss our chat with Barnboogle Dunes developer Richard Sattler when we come back next month on The Thing About Golf.